Hello, everybody. I'm delighted to be speaking this morning with one of the most exciting young singers that Canada has on its scene today, Jane Archibald, who's having an absolutely amazing career. Uh, when I look at the different uh, concert halls she's playing with, the amazing conductors that she's singing with, and the incredible repertoire, uh, it, it, it's absolutely thrilling to see someone doing so many interesting things. And not just that, in a full range of, uh, of full-blown operas and romantic repertoire like Richard Strauss, uh, recitals and oratorio and uh, uh, so welcome Jane thank you for being part of this and thank you for coming to Music and Beyond. Well, I'm thrilled to be coming to Ottawa to sing thank you for having me. Great and this is your Ottawa debut is it not? It is yes I had to think for a minute was there anything back in the mists of time when I was a very young singer but I don't think so I believe this is my debut in Ottawa. Wow well I'm thrilled and honored that we're the ones putting you mm -hmm. on for your first Ottawa performance. And really, when you see all of the different venues and halls, you wonder, um, wow, it's so it's so great that she's coming to Ottawa. So thank you for that. And just a reminder, there are two two concerts that you can hear Jane in that she's uh, featured. One is a recital, uh, and that's on July 7th uh, in the beautiful, intimate, uh, lovely acoustics of First Baptist Church, air-conditioned, I might add. Um, and then on the 10th, the 10th of July, she's performing in our Mozart Gala, um, and she's singing uh, uh, both Exultati Jubilate and uh, the soprano part of the Mozart Requiem. Uh, so really broad repertoire. I think that's, yeah. that's incredible. But, but uh, you know, right off the bat, you know, it, it's not, um, I have to say, it's not a lot of singers uh, that, that I've heard that really sing uh, you know, the romantic repertoire really well, and then have an incredible affinity for, for the different styles from Baroque up. Tell me about how you approach these different styles of music and, and how, what repertoire you really like singing the most. Well, I've been asked um, both of those questions a lot, and I wish I had uh, a better answer for the second one. Um, I, you know, I like the repertoire that I'm singing at the moment, and I, I'm someone who relishes a challenge. Um, I like to take on new new things, so I maybe I get bored a little bit too easily, and so I like to um, move around a lot, and I like to kind of I just want to devour all of it if it's if it's even remotely in my you know falling in the broadest circle of what might be possible for my voice. I'm I want to take a stab at it because uh, I just enjoy I enjoy the challenge and I enjoy the exposure to so much different repertoire. Um, so I can't say that I have one style or one composer or one opera that's my favorite you know certainly there are some you know generally that I like better than others but I I love it all I mean there's so much incredible music out there to be sung to be played to be performed um and as for how I approach it um of course you change stylistically you have to have an awareness you can't you can't sing Handel like you would sing you know Richard Strauss no one would enjoy that. It wouldn't sound right. It wouldn't do justice to either composer. But I mean, my instrument is my instrument. And I think a solid technique is uh, an understanding of how how that works from top to bottom. And then it's just uh, it's about choosing colors. It's about choosing um you know, it's about phrasing and it's all of that stuff. It's the same whether you're a singer or an instrumentalist. Um, your, you know, the Baroque and more cl and classical has a slightly, you know, cleaner onset and cleaner coloratura, and you can take more uh, liberties, you know, the further along you go deeper into the romantic and more modern repertoire. Um, but it's all, you're, you're, you're painting with the same, you know, palette. It's just how you choose to, to, 
you make those paint strokes. Tell me about your training in terms of the early music training. I mean, because for, for most of us, whether we're string players or whether we're singers, um, what we're trained in, in early on is, of course, the, the romantic repertoire. And then the early music comes a little bit later in that approach. Tell me about your early music training. How did that come about? Um, well, um, I started with early music. I'm trying to think, did I sing Handel before I was in university? I mean, I, I took voice lessons starting from the time I was 11. Um, so, which is a little bit unusual for a singer, um, I have discovered. Um, I came from a really musical community and I had a wonderful voice teacher who nurtured and took very careful care of my very young voice because, of course, it's still developing. You know, it's still a part of your body. That's the one big difference um, between singers and instrumentalists. Um, our instrument is within within our bodies. So you have to be very careful. But I was exposed to early music. You know, my first exposure was in a choir, of course. I was in a, a very high caliber um, youth choir called the First Baptist Girls Choir in Truro. We competed internationally and nationally. And so, you know, the first stuff was singing Bach there, and I absolutely loved and adored it. Um, and that choral training, you know, eventually you have to pick a path. You, as, a, as a soloist, the, the need um, to blend and sometimes take out vibrato can be tricky in terms of choral singing. So eventually I left that world, but it's a very good um, basis from which to start because you learn about, you know, tempo and keeping a tempo and singing cleanly and all that stuff. So the, the, the beginning was really as a teenager in, in the choir. And I continued that through university. I was singing Handel arias at the same time that I was learning Mozart and Bach and, and the Italian bel canto composers. So I have always done it all. It didn't, it didn't come in stages. I, I dabbled from the very beginning and, you know, I guess, in terms of in terms of what I've done professionally, you sort of follow the contracts. You you get an offer to do something, and sometimes work begets work. So if you sing Handel and people are impressed with how you're singing Handel, you're likely to get, um, you know, offers to to sing more of that. But luckily for me, because I've always sung a broad um, selection of repertoire, I've never gotten kind of pigeonholed into one or the other, which for me has been a gift. I have really enjoyed that um, variety. Wow. Is there any repertory you won't do? No. I wouldn't say. I haven't I haven't sort of um you know drawn a line in the sand and say that's not for me. I'm interested in it all. It's I I I take every offer now on a case by case basis. Um I am pickier now at this age and stage. I appreciate you still referring to me as a young singer because I'm 42 now. So I, I, you know, I'm well into mid-career at this point, but uh, I'm certainly, you know, young in spirit and and hope to have a long career yet. But at this stage, now that I'm a mother, now that I am well, you know, the career is kind of rolling on its own steam, which is, you know, the the thing we all hope to have happen when we're striving early on and, and sort of clawing your way up. Um, it's kind of got its own momentum. So that allows me a certain luxury to to consider each offer. So if I'm offered, like recently I've turned down um, some roles that I've been doing a lot because if I'm going to be away, you know, opera contracts are two months long, usually, sometimes longer. Wow. If I'm going to be away from home and away from my daughter, um, I 
want to be artistically challenged and fulfilled. And so while I love, say, uh, singing Constante in, in Mozart's abduction, I've done many productions of that role. And so I would rather, if I only have so many um, contracts per year to do, you know, take on a new role or try new repertoire. So I do consider it on a case-by-case -case basis. And there's a lot of different factors that come into, you know, my decision-making about that. How old is your daughter now? My daughter will be six in August. Six. Great, yeah. great. Well, that's something that's so interesting. I mean, I mean, a music career is busy enough, it's tough enough, but once kids get involved, it throws a whole new dimension into it. Tell us a little bit about that experience, about, you know, having a career and achieving what you've been... Yeah, it's... Um, sorry, we had a little uh, connect connectivity issue there. While having the, so I had asked, tell me uh, about how you, you handled your career traveling around while you had this very young daughter, how that changed things. Yeah, uh, it's complex. Um, I'm not lying when I tell you that there were spreadsheets involved for all of the different flights. Um, my husband has just retired, but for the first five years of Audrey's life, he was also a full-time singer with a career just as busy as mine traveling internationally like I do. Um, so I had a nanny, a wonderful nanny, um, who was with us from the time that Audrey was 14 months old. Um, and it was great because she knew the score, she knew what was going on, and she would travel with me on most of my gigs. Sometimes the years were so busy that she would sit one contract out and my mother would, would you know, pinch hit. Um, so I've had a great support team in the in my family and in and in Christine, our our fantastic nanny. Um, but it was it was full on. It was um, trying to arrange and pay for because one thing many people don't know about singers is, especially with opera contracts, we pay a lot of our own expenses up front. And so you're pay, you're looking for a three bedroom apartment in the heart of Paris and paying for uh, flights for everybody. You know, it it was a it was an expensive five years, but well worth it because when when I would come home at the end of a day uh, of rehearsing whatever I was rehearsing, had it gone well or not, whether the colleagues were wonderful or challenging or any of those workplace challenges that we all face, no matter what our job is, I got to come home to my daughter. And that's something that I think a lot of people take for granted. But as a singer who had already spent a good decade on the road getting used to this solitude of life on the road by myself it was such a gift to come home to Audrey and Christine and have companionship and have just be grounded on a daily basis in that way um so I I miss it I my this last year she was in school for the first year and I was back on the road by myself and of course um they came to visit and we tried not to make it ever I never go like two months without seeing her she always will, will take her out of school and she'll come for a visit but it was different I, I miss it I have to say even though it's less expensive and a lot less complex now with Kurt retired and Audrey at, at home it's uh it I look back on those years as, as a very special time all right yeah well very exciting just a question here I've had uh, some women singers that I know tell me that their voice develops or blossoms uh, when they give birth to a child. What did you experience that way? I, I have to say, I didn't notice a big difference. Um, my voice from 15 years ago is different, but it's 
I perceive it as having been a very uh, gradual, natural sort of maturation of my instrument, which I, which happens to uh, any singer, regardless of gender or whether they've um, given birth. So I haven't perceived that. I know that some people do, and I think it's a very personal, physical experience whether you whether you notice that change or not. I did find it challenging to sing while pregnant. I know a lot of people really enjoyed it. They said it gave them an extra support. The repertoire that I was singing at the time, Terbinetta, for example, a handle with the which required an incredible kind of breath control and lightness and facility. Um, I found difficult. I had a I had a couple scary moments on stage, uh, just kind of getting through it, but not not up to the standard that I would normally hold myself to. But you know, there's only one way to to know, you know, which is to do it how how it is for you. Um, so it's 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 a trip for sure. Singing, you know, leaping around the stage, trying to sing high high E's while you're five and a half months pregnant. But yeah, it's all just part of the adventure. It was it was fun at the same time. Well, that makes it an extra adventure, absolutely. So very, very exciting to hear these different developments. Let's talk about the programs you're doing. The, let's start with the Mozart Gala on July 10th. And it's a really, is it, it, we, it's almost a Mozart's greatest hits concert because we're starting with Ina Klein and Nachmusik. Then Jane will join the orchestra, uh, Mozart's Exultate, Jubilate. And then, and then the whole second half, uh, Mozart Requiem with a really wonderful cast. And actually the choir is is the fabulous uh, Studio de Musique Ancienne de Montréal. So we've got a professional choir and uh, great people. And Kevin Allen, who's got a real affinity to this period of music, is going to be conducting. Tell me about, uh, uh, yeah, about the two pieces that you'll be singing in. Tell me uh, about your experience with them and, and how you feel about performing them. Sure. Well, I love Mozart. Mozart has a very special place in my heart, and he's featured prominently in my career. So I'm always happy to come back to anything. And this is actually the first time I will have sung the Mozart Requiem which is another, you know, it's not just an Ottawa debut, but it, for me, it's the first time I've ever done the Requiem, which is exciting. And I've had fun listening to my husband's recording with Harnoncourt as I was like, you know, because I always, even if you've heard it before, you, I always start with listening to a recording, just kind of get it into your head. Um, so I'm excited to do that. And it's, and it's, it's, it's a chat. And in some ways it's a challenge because as you say, it's a Mozart's greatest hits. We start with something as incredibly uplifting and joyful um, as for me, as the as the exultate jubilate, and then and then move on to a requiem. So it's really, I mean, it's a concert that spans. It's got a little something for everyone. Um, the exultate jubilate, I mean, I just love coming back to it. I first learned it as a university student, and it was just so thrilling to discover it. And I've done it since then several times, and um, it's just pure joy. It's just a perfect little, you know, fifteen minute, maybe not even that long. Um, you know, handful of, of pure, pure joy. And it's, and it's, and that's how it feels to me to sing it. And I hope that's how it comes across. I mean, that is what he has written. It's just, it's just a thrill. And so I think, I hope the audiences will love it as much as I love singing it. Well, I'm sure we'll all have a great time with it. Have you worked with Kevin Mallon much over the years? I, it's been a long time, but he hired me to do some recordings early in my career for which I'm, of course, um, grateful. We always remember those people who uh, who help us on the way up, and Kevin was definitely one of them. Um, I did a couple of recordings from Vivaldi. The Vivaldi seems to show up everywhere because it was the um, it's on a million different 
like compilation CDs because it was in that movie with Jeffrey Rush. Uh, I'm trying to remember that he, it was a smile or something. It had a one, I can't remember now, but it's, it became very popular and very mainstream. You know, a lot, not everybody knows this particular motet of Vivaldi, but, but it became, you know, very mainstream when this movie came out about 20, 25 years ago. And so it, you find it everywhere, but it's a beautiful, it was a beautiful time to record it with Kevin and, and I haven't worked with him in, uh, more than a decade, I'd say. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him again and making music with him. Right. Well, when it came to this program, he really wanted to do an all Mozart program. And, and your name was the first name that came up that he wanted to see if we could get. So I'm delighted that I'm able to, you know, kind of follow his vision for this concert, which is yeah. really nice, too. Um, and then and then on the 7th of July, you've got you've got uh, uh, a a recital with a lot of variety. Uh, you're performing mostly with Liz Upchurch. Well, she'll be in everything. And then one piece, uh, Shepherd on the Rock with Dominic Desotel. Um, the program's so interesting because it starts with, you know, kind of early Baroque Purcell and it goes through all kinds of different styles. And I'd love to just, maybe if you could share your thoughts on some of these pieces. Uh, uh, the Purcell that you're going to sing, Hark the Echoing Air and Sweeter Than Roses. Tell us a little bit about these, this repertoire. Well, you know, I have to say I'm I'm so pleased to be doing this recital because I've my career has been to this point extremely opera heavy um with concerts sprinkled in and I'm and I'm trying to do more concert work um now again, you know, referring back to what I was saying about being away for long periods with opera. But there's something about recital that is so intimate and so personal and I it hasn't been a big part of my career. Um I, I've done a couple of the um, free noon hour recitals at the COC that they put on at the Richard Bradshaw Amphitheater. Um, they had asked me to do it. And the first one that I did a few years ago, you know, it was in the thick of things. I had a toddler who wasn't sleeping and it, it ended up being kind of like, what have I got already sort of half memorized? And we put together a program, which was still nice, but, but it was a little bit, okay, what can we do that doesn't require me learning a lot? a lot of new repertoire because I don't have the time or energy in this particular, you know, space of time. And after we did that recital, I said to Liz, you know, even though these are just, I'm pulling these out of the memory bank, it's just so, it's so pleasurable and so satisfying in a very personal way to do this music. And I'd like, we have to do more. And she said, yes, we do. We have to find, let's like, let's take time over the next few years. And whenever you have time, we'll we'll just explore, you know, we'll sight read through a bunch of different repertoire and see what suits and see what fits. And I mean, she equally is at home in playing just about anything you throw in front of her. You know, she's an amazing musician, both technically and artistically. So we just explored and uh, I, I love singing in English. I have to say, um, I think it's really important that you, I, I think the communicative, communicative aspect of, being a singer, that added element of language, which, you know, we are the only musicians who have that um, additional sort of um, piece of the puzzle, you know, is, is at our disposal in terms of our expression. And I think it's really important. And, you know, I speak passable French and passable German, but it, it was amazing to me when I started to sing in those languages after my spoken ability to, you know, to converse and communicate in those languages improved. I, I was able to bring so much more musically to my singing of those languages, which I had been doing for many years. You know, we always, we always translated, but when you really understand it at a deeper level, it helps so much. And so I think, 
you know, that's an explanation for why I enjoy singing in English so much because it is my mother tongue, you know, and I just, I don't know, whenever I, whenever I explore or dabble in, in songs that are in English, I just, I connect with them in a different way. So there's a fair, it's fairly English heavy um, for a recital, the program that we're doing. Um, so the personal, I just, there's a jazzy improvisational quality that you can allow yourself in Purcell that you can't in handle. Um, it's, I, I can't really explain why it is, but I enjoy that. And I, and Liz and I enjoy kind of feeding off each other and being inspired by, you know, we'll sort of give a signal in one way or another um, that kind of sends us off on a little, you know, a tangent. Are we going to slow this down? Are we going to suddenly paint or color this word or this, this text in some way. And um, so we just decided that it was a nice way to start the program, nice clean sort of palate cleanser, so to speak, or welcoming into the program. And, and we, we experimented a lot with, you know, changing where, where should we put each composer and how should it be set up? And I, I think we've come up with a, with a program in an order that we really like that I think will take people through and, and challenge them in different ways and then allow them to relax in other ways. And, and I hope that the, uh, yeah, I hope that they'll enjoy enjoy hearing it because we just we just love performing the program. Well, it's nice to hear your enthusiasm about performing with pianist Liz Upchurch, and she really is one of the best, isn't she? I mean, uh, I was rereading her, yeah, rereading her bio and just seeing all of the incredible things that that she does and continues to do. I mean, she's really been so active, and not just that, she spends a lot of time sharing knowledge with other you know younger pianists and making sure that uh, that that this body of knowledge is continued so it's nice to see her in such a broad range of of of, of repertoire which she does very very naturally and then we hear mozart on this concert and uh, I, again very very nice i just want to tell everybody this church uh that uh, that the concert is going to take place in first baptist church right on the corner of uh laurier and elgin street is really quite small it's beautiful it's all wood um, and so make sure it's early because uh, I know that there will be an awful lot of people that will not get into it. So definitely, uh, uh, for all you people watching this, uh, don't don't wait on this. This is something that you're really going to want to see. Um, and so it'll be a nice prelude, the Mozart to the Mozart Gala, and then Debussy moving on to France. Do you perform a lot? I, I did see some some engagements in France. Are you performing a lot in France? Opera uh, de Lyon and. Uh, Yes, I, I so Lyon, um, I'll be back in the fall. That will be my third contract in Lyon. I've sung quite a few times in Paris, uh, Toulouse, um, where else? I'm forgetting another another major city that I've sung and I'm trying to think. It, 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 it features pretty regularly. Um, I, Germany, Austria, France, the UK are probably the four European countries that I sing in most regularly but I yeah I, I you know I get around to the various <laughs> the various um you know cities in Europe but um I always like singing in France I like singing in French in the French language and I enjoy the audiences especially in France they're very enthusiastic and and I yeah it's gratifying well you live in Halifax is that right like right in central Halifax do you is that um, I do and right. given the fact that you've got well, I love Halifax, by the way. I think it's, it's one of my favorite Canadian cities. Um, but given the fact that you have such a complicated European career, are you ever tempted to move there? Well, we moved from there. 
actually. Um, we moved back to Nova Scotia. I say we. I moved back to Nova Scotia and I brought my family with me um, in 2014. So it's, we're coming up on five years uh, in this house and in Halifax. Um, but I was based in Europe from 2006 to 2014 in Austria. Um, and yeah, it was absolutely uh, more convenient. You know, if I got a weekend off, I could fly home. All of that was really great, but it just wasn't home. Um, and I have family here and an ease of life in Halifax. We just, we love our Halifax life. It's, it's a nice mix between small town and city. Uh, we've got an international airport. So even though it has been more complicated and, and my career is um, more heavily scheduled in Europe than it is on, on this side of the pond in North America, uh, we don't have any regrets. It's, um, it was the right move for us. When we come home, we really feel like we're at home. And my mom's, you know, an hour down the road and my brother and sister and all my nieces and nephews are here, uh, you know, supporting Kurt and, and here for Audrey and my daughter when I'm away. So it's, um, Europe was the right place to be when I started my career. And I, you know, I applaud the young singers who are going over there. There is a, just so much opportunity and so much opera happening, um, funding and money and support for the art form over there. But um, I was at a place where I was, the, as I said, the career has kind of had a certain momentum. So I was able to to move home and it's been the right it's been the right call for me. Right. Does your husband now travel with you to a lot of your concerts then? Well, his retirement is very fresh. It's like, I guess, just over a month old. <laughs> so um, wow. that's, it's, it remains to be seen. No, I mean, my daughter's in school now and he's quite happy to be retired. He had a, he was a, you know, internationally acclaimed tenor for over 35 years. So he's earned his retirement, uh, especially life on the road is, taxing so he's home he's a stay-at-home parent now with Audrey um she's you know into the school schedule and all of that so he he comes with me sometimes you know he'll come and we'll just the two of us will go and have a little working vacation um but more often than not he brings Audrey and um and he will continue to do that um they're going to come to Lyon and London with me next fall for a bit um and He's, it's great. It's great to be married to a singer who's been there and done that because he knows the life. He understands what is needed, the kind of support that is needed. And uh, it's, yeah, it's been a good pairing in that way, for sure. Right. Well, he was a fabulous singer and had a very distinguished career. Does he get involved with the preparation of your concerts with you? Do you spend a lot of time kind of working through your repertoire with him? No, um, I do ask for his opinion. Um, he's my biggest cheerleader, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, and he's 17 years older. So it's been, it was, a, it, I think that was a help because we weren't neck and neck. We weren't, there was no jealousy. There was nothing ever but support between us because he had already been there. He had already made all the debuts um, that, that he was going to make. And he was able then to sort of give me advice and, you know, I remember when I made my Met debut, it was in, you know, as always, you know, sort of taxing circumstances. I had learned the role in three weeks and I had, you know, I didn't get to rehearse with anybody and all that kind of thing. And he said, no matter what you do, just make sure you get to walk out on the stage once 
and look out and it's because it's big. It's going to feel like a football stadium and just test your voice once, you know, before they open the house. Cause I didn't get any rehearsal on the stage, little things like that, you know, supportive and helpful comments. He doesn't get too involved in the musical side of things. Um, you know, a tip or a, a hint here or there, I'll ask him a question, but um, he, you know, he doesn't coach me or, or get, I think probably for our marriage, <laughs> neither of us gave each other too many too many tips vocally it was uh and it worked better for us that way right well everybody i i'm I'm married to another string player and everybody you know who are couples musical couples they they have different ways some really work closer to the other some it's just no man's land they just don't touch that area so it's always interesting to see the dynamic of how these things work together uh, yeah. Anyway, I was just finishing up the recital, but uh, you know, you've got Schubert uh, Shepherd on the Rock with uh, Dominic Desotel, and you met him through the Canadian Opera Company, did you? Or is that how do you know Dominic? I did. Well, he was here in Halifax, um, and I'm trying to think where I met him first, because he's been on the. Well, you know, we're both been on the Canadian music scene for a long time. Um, he was based here in Halifax. He was the artist in residence with the Cecilia Concert Series here. And now he's, um, I believe he's principal clarinet with the COC Orchestra. So I've worked with him in both places. Um, and I can't remember. It may have been Liz's idea. I'm trying to even remember how we, how we came to do this Shepherd on the Rock. I mean, it's, a, it's an obvious choice when you have an amazing clarinetist. And, and I have to say, everywhere we've done it, people... You know, it, we just had the three of us just, I've done it with other clarinetists and other pianists, but the three of us just have, are on the same page about this particular piece. And we just have so much fun. We did the, we did it in Halifax here in recital last spring and the audience, we came out and did this, the last half of it again, you know, the Allegro, because it was just like, you know, we were all including the audience just in such a happy mood and everybody enjoyed it so much that we, we were like, oh, come on, let's just go and do the, the last bit again. And so it's a it's a really fun closer. I think it's closing the first half in our recital. Closing the first half, yeah, it. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So it 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 it's fun, and especially this time of year when everything is finally green. I mean, probably in Ottawa it's been green for a while, but spring has been slow to come to Halifax. So now we finally have green leaves and sunshine, and um, we'll be in the mood to to bring this particular spring-like piece to everybody, even though it will be in July. Well, it's definitely green. We, I think we set an all-time record for rain here and flooding, but uh, everything's mm -hmm. settling down and it's working well, so you'll you'll like it here. And then the uh, the rest of the program, you've got two English composers, Benjamin Britten and Roger Quilter. Mm -hmm. How do they fit together? Well, to be honest, the Britten is um, is new to me. I just sang it um, with orchestra with the Portland Symphony. Um, and I just adore it. And because we had a bit of an English uh, English composer theme going on, I said to Liz, well, why don't we add that in? Um, you know, building a recital program. And again, this is, I'm relatively new to this. It's sort of interesting. You have these different sets and you slot different things in depending on the length of the program you've been asked to do, where you're doing it, what's ready. Um, and uh, we had, we were looking to extend the program for, for for here and in a couple other places that we're doing it and uh i just thought it would fit in really nicely and benjamin Britten is slightly more challenging both for the singer and the audience than say quilter or or the you know we're doing some um 
arrangements of Robbie Burns songs, you know, those are a little bit more sit back, easy, easy listening, so to speak. But Brit Britain, you know, requires an engagement of a sort. So we thought it would be nice to start the second half with that when the audience is fresh and they've had a they've had a break. Um, and they're fabulous pieces. Um, they're just they're just wonderful. I love them. Liz loves them. She had done them. So we thought, OK, this is this is meant to be. We should absolutely, um, you know, slot them into the program. Wonderful. And then finishing with Richard Strauss, I actually know finishing, there's, there's one more piece. There's, you have two Strausses, the two different ones. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so Johann Jr. And, and Richard Strauss. So tell me about yes. those and fitting them together. You don't often see them put back to back, but uh, I know you've had a lot of success with Johann Strauss too. So tell us a little bit about this. Yes. So, I mean, of course, Richard Strauss, uh, he's my jam. You know, I've done a lot of Strauss um, starting with like Sophie and Serbinetta and now moving through, I, I just added Daphne to my repertoire. Um, and I, you know, I, I just have an affinity. I just, I love it. I feel right at home. I, I, you know, it's like diving into the deep end of a nice warm pool. I just, I, I love singing this repertoire and the, the Brentano leader, you know, are absolutely written for my voice type, someone with that high extension who's, comfortable and enjoy singing up there so we've just picked three of of our favorites that seem to go well together and um i uh, have also done um die fledermaus johann strauss the second which is what we're ending with but um recital is a place for me to sing repertoire that i you know where i get to cast myself so i've cast myself as rosalinda because you know that's where i that's where I see myself now. That's a role that uh, if I were to do Deflator Mouse again, I think I have officially retired Adela and would move on to Rosalinda now. And I just love that aria. It's so much fun to sing. Um, there's a chance for Dominique to sneak back in and play a couple little, you know, obligados in that aria. And it's just a fun way to end the, end the concert. Yeah, well, it looks like a really great program. So everybody, don't miss it. Um, we're, we're talking to Jane Archibald, who's singing a recital uh, at Music and Beyond on July the 7th at 7.30 at First Baptist Church. And then she'll be part of this really wonderful program, uh, the Mozart Gala on July the 10th. So, Jane, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, I really look forward to seeing you in person uh, and, to, and to hearing you sing uh, when you come to Ottawa in July. Thanks. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we have many more coming up. Uh, just click subscribe and we'll notify you when we do a new one. Thanks so much for watching.